It's the Skinny Podcast, only on Local12.com. Now, here's Richard Skinner, joined by Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Roaring from MusketeerReport.com. Welcome into another edition of the Skinny Podcast, the college basketball edition presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. I'm Richard Skinner, Local12.com Digital Sports Comm Center with Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com and Rick Brewing of Musketeer Report. We've got uh, a lot to talk about. A pretty good weekend if you go Saturday and Sunday, maybe not so much Friday, but we will touch on the NKU game on Friday as well. Let's start, though, with uh, the most recent game being played as we're doing this podcast, and that was UC's uh, win over Wichita State at home on Sunday. Uh, Bearcats had that week off. The interesting part is they've had a couple of large gaps in the schedule, Chad, and then all of a sudden they, they're not going to have many gaps whatsoever um, down the stretch. I, I can't imagine teams and coaches like that Maybe more than once. I mean, you you got to have a stretch like that once where you kind of recover, yeah. take a break, take a breath, regroup. But two and three weeks. Yeah, that that seems like a lot because you could. There's only this time of year. There's only so much you can get done in practice too. Well, yeah. I mean, especially when you go like they did this week. They went Sunday to Sunday, and they weren't going to start looking at Wichita State until Friday. Right. So you had Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday um, to do some some team stuff and maybe add a few new wrinkles and stuff like that. I think more, I don't think they like it mentally um, because you, you, you fall off a little bit. You're not as sharp, but I think physically it's important um, getting ready for these next seven, six, seven games that are critical and bunched and bunched. So, I mean, maybe it, you know, it's kind of weighted. There's some of it you like, some of it you don't like, but I think, Especially when you're riding a horse like they have been Jaron Cumberland, it's not so bad to get him off the off the track and get him in the in the stable for a couple of days extra to to ease that load on him. Yeah, he carried another big load again in, in today's game. Um, a couple of areas that were not so good today. UC had a hard time, especially the big scoring. There was one where it was Nizier Brooks had a five footer that he probably should have just actually dunked, but he took a shot and he shot five footer about one foot. Yeah. Um, I don't know what they were in the paint, but it wasn't very good. They got out re- well, they didn't get out rebounded, but they gave up a lot of offensive rebounds. They got out rebounded un- by nine. Un- uncharacteristic. I mean, how much of that do you attribute to to kind of the time off? Uh, some of it, I think that's part of, especially with guys that are inexperienced like Brooks and Scott, getting them out of rhythm um, offensively is is not great, and they're going to have to find that rhythm really fast because. Taco's going to be here uh, on Thursday, and and scoring over him is is going to be a lot harder than scoring over the six foot nine guys from Wichita State. Um, you know, I think that is one thing that that definitely is a problem. Uh, the rebounding, I mean, it, it's, do, they, do they just try to block too many shots? Like, is that why defensive rebounding they it tends to come and go? Because they play hard and they're tough. Like, it, it would seem like they'd be good defensive rebounding team. I mean, they have been at points. They're, right. they're, they have stretches where they're dominant yeah. and then stretches like today. I will say, Wichita State missed. How many How many shots do you think they oh, missed? Oh, bun- I mean, enough. Yeah, enough. Guess. Yeah. No, I, I, 43. 52. That's a lot. 52 <laughs> shots. 43 is a pretty good guess. <laughs> 52 shots they You're missed. You're going to get a chance to get a couple of offensive they were rebounds. They were 19 of 71 wow. from the floor. Well, they also got those 71 attempts because they got a bunch of offensive rebounds. Yeah, but um, so I, I wouldn't be – the percentage isn't ridiculous right. when you look at it in, in that light. Um, but still, they've got to find a way to be more consistent. It, it can't continue to be they, – they stress it. So then they improve, and then there's a drop off, a, a, you know, a, ca- a 
a decline of their effort on the glass. It needs to be better. Yeah, to your point, though, I think I heard, it was Darren Servino in the in the uh, pregame talk about how Mick had kind of emphasized doing a better job of, of going when you're going for block shots and and, and not yeah. allowing guys free run to go get offensive rebounds. And maybe maybe there is some of that, and maybe that's the only thing that hey, a week off you just you you don't clean it up until you see it again on tape, and then you can clean up maybe very quickly in practice. Of look, you guys are jumping too much. You're you're not you, you know you're, you're coming straight on. You're missing stuff. You're jumping when you shouldn't. You're out of position, and that, that that's a good part. You can clean that stuff up too. He he lamented. I, I agree with that. He also lamented today that guys are sticking on their box outs too long and not go going. Get right. Go, go get, get the it. ball. Right. That, that's part of it too, right? But I think that also could be like when you spend a week practicing box outs. Yeah, that's what you do. <laughs> you box out, and then all of a sudden the ball is. And I also think it's a it, it, it's it, it's a little tougher for UC as well. Um, because the way their defense is at the rim, you're seeing a lot of teams take jump shots. Yeah, and get long kickers. And jump shots, you get longer rebounds, which you kind of not penalize you, but it's harder to rebound when, when the ball's bouncing over your head and the other team. I think teams are looking at it and saying, I think uh, we can kind of get them with quickness on missed jump shots running to the ball instead of uh, battling them man for man for rebounds. But they, they have to get better. They can't continue to let teams do what some have done on the offensive glass to them. We've talked about finding a consistent second score. And, and today got got good production from Kane Broom, got good production from Keith Williams. Maybe it isn't the same guy than every game. Maybe maybe, maybe it is going to be three different guys, and it's a different guy each night. I mean, I, I know as a coach you'd like to have a more consistent option, but maybe maybe there isn't, and maybe that's not a bad thing. I think, I, I think I've looked at it as a bad thing, and maybe it's not. Maybe it's just, hey, you know what? It's this guy's night. It's not that guy's night. That's fine. Because I know tonight it's going to be most nights. It's going to be Jaron Cumberland's night. Yeah. Well, here's the thing I will say to that. And you noticed it in the second half. When Keith Williams is that second guy, they are dynamic. And when it's anybody else, like with Kane Broom, it's been with he's getting back to making some threes, which he was had a horrible right. start to the season. Uh, he's getting back to hitting some shots from the perimeter. Um, but I, I just don't think – Offensively, they are as dynamic as when Keith Williams is attacking, and uh, the the impact he had in that second half uh, when they jumped the lead up to nineteen was substantial. And he had a great line in post game today. I don't know if you saw it or not. I did not. They asked him what he was thinking uh, as he went up for that dunk, and he said, "If he jumps with me, I pray for him." <laughs> and then he just started laughing. It was pretty he, good. He can get up. He can get up. He was up. That yeah. that one was a big time dunk. But I, I just think I agree with with the concept of what you're saying because it can be on nights that he's shooting it well. It can be Justin Jennifer. It right. can be Kane Broom. It can be Keith Williams. But I just think when it is Keith, there's an extra gear that they hit that that they don't hit otherwise. I don't know if you agree with that, Rick. I mean, I've said it for a while. I think Keith is really good. You can't guard Keith when he's playing well. All the other guys you can take away with a good defender. But Keith's usually more athletic than that guy. So if yeah. Keith isn't on his game, he's really tough to take away. I think that's why. And then you have to focus on him and Jaron, and that's impossible. Like, the way Jaron's playing right now. Yeah. And it feels like 25 is almost a given. Yeah, his confidence shooting the ball is... I don't know that we ever thought he would be shooting like he's shooting yeah, right now. Yeah, not this consistently. And and not and not like selective like in large numbers and he is just staring guys down and shooting right in their face. Yeah, I was going to say with guys right on him at times, even from deep, Doesn't guys care. on the time. Yeah. 30 feet. 
guy draped all over him, bang. And and you feel like it's not one of those when he takes it. It's not a no, no, no. It's a, yeah, Jaron's going to make that. No. Like, it's what he's done to improve his shooting this year has been, I, I don't know that I ever thought he was going to be above like a 38, 39% guy because he took questionable shots. Now those questionable shots are are easy. I think for the year, I thought he was a 16 point per game guy, which would have, which was, would have been more than satisfactory to me. He's now once conference is hit, he's a 22, 20 plus, 22, yeah, 22, 23 yeah. point per game guy. He, he's, and, Clearly the best player in this conference. Yeah, I mean, there, there's there's no doubt. All right, a rough stretch to end the season um, because you face a UCF team that's going to need a probably a signature win or two down the and stretch. And they're playing better. And they are playing better, and they've got UC twice home and home. you got a road game with UConn, a road game with SMU, a home game with Memphis, home game with Houston. Not in that order, but that's that's who's, who's left. I mean, there's really not one of those, hey, gimme games on there. Um, you know, Memphis at home, you think you get. SMU's not very UConn good. right now without Adams and Gilbert. Yeah, I just, but anything on the road, though, it's, yeah. it's just, on, it's just on, on the road. So down the stretch, what, what does UC need to do to make sure that it's not a three and three finish that costs them two seed lines? Um, I, I can't find any scenario other than going 0 6 that they don't make the tournament. I know people push that panic button early on that. I mean, you, you just look around the country for me. You'll, you'll, you'll figure out soon enough. Yeah. I think if, if UC lost out, they'd still make the tournament. But, okay, that, that's the nuclear option. But, 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 to, to, to maybe go five and one, four and two, five and one, including a win over Houston, to probably improve your seed line or keep it where it is now at about a seven-ish. What, what do they need to do? Need to they, lately they've been really good taking care of the basketball, really, really good. Outside of the first half at um, Memphis, Memphis, where they had ten turnovers yeah. in the first half, they didn't turn it over in the second. Um, outside of that, they have been taking really good care of the basketball. Continue to do that. Start being more consistent on the glass. And then if you get back to Nizier Brooks and Trey Scott averaging 15 a game between them. It feels like every game Trey Scott scores three points right now. I know that's not not, not accurate, but it feels like it. He had, I think, in Memphis, actually, right. where he, yeah. hit, he had a couple threes. But other than that, yeah, he offensively he is just kind of in a little bit of a rut right now. If they get back to those two scoring a combined 15 points, if they give you 15 and 12, 15 and 15, I think you're right where you need to be in this stretch because – the games are going to be close, and when it gets to the final four minutes, Cincinnati's going to give the ball to Cumberland, and more often than not, he's going to be better than anybody that the other team has. You, you did talk about, I mean, this this break for Jaron Cumberland has probably been good, but now you're condensing a bunch of games into a tight yeah. window, and he's playing a lot of minutes. I mean, how much do they have to just keep riding him, or how much maybe do they have to monitor some of that? Some, but I think Mick is doing – that uh, to an extent already um he has been very cognizant of if the clock stops 30 seconds before a tv timeout buy him one there buy him one and he's he did that twice in the first half today before the 12 and then before the eight and that's Um, by design that's that's smart obviously yeah yeah um so that i mean monitor keep monitoring that but they're they can't win with him on the bench for long stretches for long stretches so you're not monitoring his minutes to the point he's playing 29 no, he's right. playing 35 36 regardless but it's stuff like that it's, it's being yeah. smart with stuff like that for absolutely sure. it costs you one defensive possession maybe and maybe one offensive possession coming out of the tv timeout or one that goes in a live ball scenario exactly and if you really needed to get him back in you, you call time out take a timeout yeah. exactly exactly right all right switch gears to xavier where um it was a legitimate thought about a week ago whether this team win another game the rest of the season and um they come up with with two wins this week gutting one out at home over at creighton and then uh coming back i mean the first half of the province game did felt like the microcosm of this season right no 
nothing was going right. Guys dropping balls, fumbling passes, throwing balls out of bounds. Tyreek Jones dropping a ball where he should have. I mean, just it felt like it, that whole first half was the microcosm of the season. It, and then you look up and boom, this is a good team all of a sudden for, t- for the first eight or nine minutes of that second half. I'll tell you what. The first half was a microcosm maybe on offense, but defensively it was not. Fair because enough. Okay. in most games, they would have found themselves down by 12 or 14 at half. Instead, they were only down by six because in that four-plus-minute stretch where they didn't score – it was only a 9-0 run instead of a 15 or 16-0 run. And then those last two minutes of the half, they got stops the whole way through and made a little bit of a comeback to get it back down to six. And I thought that was that was a little bit different from what we have seen. And that's that's the thing this team needed to do is lock in for a full half on the defensive end. Even How if much of that was a carryover from Creighton? Because I thought they did a pretty I, good job in that game. That's absolutely yeah. what we saw. Those two games, I mean, we had talked about this so many times now where it just, I said, you need to win certain games like that DePaul game at home. It was like, it felt like they needed to win that because you didn't want to lose the season. You didn't want these guys to quit. You didn't want the three grad transfers who were in your rotation to say, the season's lost. I'm doing my own thing now. Screw what these coaches are saying. Um, you wanted to see progress and the chance for development and some momentum heading into the off season. And after the loss at home to DePaul, it was like, how's that going to happen now? But credit to the staff and the kids because they came back out in Creighton, looked like a different team with their effort, their attention to detail, uh, their focus defensively, and just their overall cohesiveness. And, and they're not still not talking all that well, because I think not too many of the guys know exactly what they're supposed to be doing. Just say something. (laughs) Right. But at least they're in the right spots and, and recognizing like, Hey, I'm going to need to be in help in this spot. And it, when if this guy goes, I'm going to be the rotation here. They're, they're starting to recognize and play for each other more so than just worrying about what they have to be doing right now in that instance. This is what we thought Xavier was going to look like this year, right? Right. Inconsistent offense with a team that could be tough enough and, and active enough defensively to keep them in games. Yeah, and they, they, they did that for the, the the last two, for sure. I think the other part, too, is you're, you're right. I mean, the DePaul game felt like the last stand, right? That, that felt like that was it. You, you can't beat DePaul at home. Not like you can't beat DePaul at home. You, you, if you're, you're not going to lock in enough to beat them and you're going to give up a yes, lead in the final yeah. minutes and, and blow it to them, who are you going to beat at that Yeah, point? no, I, I, I think it is a credit to everybody involved because that's at a point where you do lose everybody, and especially your first year as a head coach. You start to doubt yourself. I guarantee you, you start to doubt yourself of how can I get us out of this rut? I got to keep coaching hard. Maybe I need to coach, uh, coach differently. I mean, you, you're going through all those scenarios, and yeah, maybe you do need a ball to bounce the right way like it kind of did in the Creighton game, but look, you need that every once in a while. I'm not here to tell you they, win, they win out, but you do need, you need a little bit. You need, a you little need luck, and then to convert that luck into a little element of a win. occasion, and then you convert that win into what you did at Providence and Providence is terrible they're not good um, and Ed Cooley was Xavier. savior yeah, like right. that's, that's the that's thing right. Correct. <laughs> I wrote that today I was like no, yeah, that's Creighton fair. had a starter out and Providence is one of the teams Xavier matches up best with they're not very good but the Xavier team was last in the conference yes. coming into this week. So yes. any win in this conference is a good win for this Agreed. team. Agreed. Agreed. Um, and Ed Cooley gets mad enough to go five for five a couple minutes into the second half. And it felt like he kind of lost his his team a little bit there in the second half. Now down the stretch for, for Xavier, um, they... they there are probably three or four winnable games, and there's a possibility to still go zero and five down down yep. the stretch because you got St. John's twice, and you know how inconsistent they can be. They look like the worst team in the league for the first fourteen minutes against Villanova, and then for the last whatever sixteen, eighteen minutes, they look like the best team in the league, and they do that sometimes. Seton Hall. It, when they make shots, they beat Kentucky. Um, when they don't make shots, they can get beat by anybody. Butler the same way. I, I guess I'll ask you the same question I asked Chad. Obviously, the, UC being in a different scenario where they're trying to work on seed line and get things right, right in that regard. For Xavier, though, what do you want to see out of these last handful of games 
um, that that would send you send this season off into a positive note, or maybe even going to the Big East tournament where you look up. I think they're what they're a game out of fifth, if I'm not mistaken, right now. I think that's right. Yeah, yeah I think two games out of third. Two games out of one third. game out of last. Right. Like it's, <laughs> right. it's no, ridiculous. No, yeah, right. right. So I mean, it, it, but they have a chance to at least get a seed line that gets you a win or two and puts you with a puncher's chance. But what do they need to do? other than what they're doing now defensively, maybe even offensively over these last handful of games. Yeah, I mean, the defense is it. It's If you're a fan, that's what you want to see. I think that's the most interesting storyline the rest of the season because before the season, Travis talked about this being one of the best defensive teams Xavier's had. Um, they've been terrible all year on that end of the court. And I, I think there were some questions about, should you be playing the pack line defense? Right. Is that going to be your system going forward? Because they've really gone away from it in a lot of games. Even against Providence, they were switching between the pack line and a 2-3 zone a lot. So I thought... Well, you got to play zone when Welge is in the game for sure. So Well, and, and it works out well <laughs> right. against Providence. Right. But I guess my point was more overall that with this personnel, especially since you're bringing four of the core guys back next year... Was he going to switch away? Did he truly believe in the pack line, or was he going to switch away from it, being as that they hadn't locked in and, and really committed that defense all year long? Well, then all of a sudden you have these two games where finally they kind of look like they're starting to get it, and the pack line did work a little bit. So I think that's the biggest question is, I think they're clearly going to stick with that the rest of the year. Do they pick it up to the point that it looks like, okay, this is definitely, there's going to be a pack line team going forward. He clearly believes in that, um, and they're going to keep building on that going into next year. Or... Does it break down again, and do we start talking about, okay, what's he going to do defensively right. in the offseason because right. this doesn't seem like it fits this personnel, and he may not, may or may not trust it. So I think that's the most interesting thing. In terms of actually winning these games, it's not like anything's changed. It's going to be a struggle. Right. They're right. still one of the worst teams in the conference. They're not going to make a lot of shots, more than likely. So it's going to be tough to win games, but if they defend, they'll give themselves a chance. I think in terms of actually pulling out the wins, it'll come down to making a few outside shots to go with their interior play, which is really picked up um and then also not turning the ball over late in games and melting down the way we've seen a few times yeah all right let's move to kentucky where um buddy i I think i you you were on the sports authority just got done taping it and you said exactly what what rick and i talked about this week too after that loss to to lsu no chance they were no chance because number one coming into rupp arena on a saturday night it's a recipe for disaster for number that doesn't happen all because the people at rupp arena are actually awake yes for the game instead of napping they 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 were my 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 daughter got in line they because students it's kind of a free-for-all right yeah she got in line at at six actually take back at five o'clock no take back excuse me three thirty Three hours before they open, because they open the gates at, at 6.30. Three hours ahead of time to make sure, and all those students were. So you can imagine how wired those kids were, right? Game day was there. The kid makes the half-court right. shot at game day. Starts I mean, dropping F-bombs. Yeah, that was pretty good. Let's blank and go. Um, but hey, if I win 19 grand, I don't care who's around me. I'm going to say I'm let's dropping, blank and go. Let's blank and go to anybody that listens. Exactly right. That's actually my go-to when good things happen. <laughs> right. Let's That's exactly yeah. here. No, I got no problem with it. I thought that was pretty I thought it was pretty cool that the players came out and kind of kind of surrounded him and hugged him. They almost killed Nick Richards. That would have not been a good thing. But no, <laughs> yeah. I he hasn't done much. There's the, yeah, Tennessee had no they, they just they had no chance. They and got think, bullied, and I think they're really good. And they did get bullied. I mean, PJ Washington, anytime he wanted to get eight eight feet and shoot a jump hook, guess what he was going to do? Get to eight feet and shoot a jump, and hook. he was going to make it every time. He's he's as good a jump hook shooter as I've seen in, in a long long time. He gets that spot, and you are he, he's he, he's just not going to be stopped from that distance. He was using actual dream fakes. <laughs> Chad referenced that once earlier. It looked nothing like a dream shake. He's using an actual dream shake, like just losing dudes yep. with a two-step move. It's crazy. His development from year one to year two has been 
remarkable because he did not he did not look like well, what, anything. What, what can't he do offensively? Right? right. I mean, you you want to make sure you have a big on him because if he gets in the post, it's it's going to be harder for him. He's still going to score. If, if not, he's going to take you out the three point line and make a three. Fair question. Yes. Who are you taking over him from the SEC? That's a good question. There's some individual like scores that that. Are just more featured players but offensively. If you want me to build a team around a guy, but, but honestly, as an NBA prospect, I really like what I, he's I going do to too. be. I do too. I do too. I might take Tremont Waters over him just because he's a point guard. I mean, there's 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 maybe five to ten guys you can make a case for because again, they're just a more ball dominant. They yeah. do more for their team type of guy in terms of like he's been so PJ Washington has been unbelievable for all year two, really yeah, for especially the last six to eight weeks he's yeah. been on another planet yeah no I, I, he's the he's literally he's on style i call one of my players in the game i said you watching this i said this is going to be you man you're going to be that guy if you get a jump hook down because you can't be guarded you can't guard it you, I, you, you know it's coming you know kid. it's coming you should probably stop lying to kids that yeah. poor kid yeah if he gets a jump hook he's gonna be unguardable i'm just telling you but anyway does he does he have any semblance of a jump hook now where are we starting from yeah. is he 6'8 220 ripped he's, and super athletic he's six seven he's gonna be six nine he's pretty he's pretty oh he's you're, pretty big you're, boy. you're a growth plate expert now too <laughs> his, his growth plates no. are far apart hang on he broke his leg over the summer his oh, growth plates are far oh. apart. and the doctor told him his growth plates were still open so you open up that can of worms hey buddy you opened up that can of worms i love the growth plates being wide open that's what they always wide open that's I was, was going to be 6'4 when I was 16 and I broke my Yeah, leg. I was never going to be anything. And then your growth plates closed. Yep. I don't know what happened there. They it just, just, it just shrunk just shut, right up on me. They just shut down on you for goodness yeah. sakes. I think I crunched them down yeah. by eating a little bit too much. It happens without warning, too. Your growth plates just close. They just close up. And all of a sudden you look up and you're 55 years old and you're 5'7 still. It's like, damn, where did I miss my... You're, you're going the other way. I know. Where did I... Yeah, exactly. You're going to be 5'6 here. I'll be here. shrinking here before, for goodness sakes. Um... I, and I even go back to the LSU game. I know people can look and go, oh, well, how do you lose that at LSU? LSU is actually really good, A. Um, and I didn't think Kentucky played awful. I didn't think they played well down the stretch, but they didn't play awful. Yeah, can we address that? The, like, Because I, I said after at the end of the Duke, or at the end of the UK-Tennessee game, that Duke and UK are clearly the best two teams in the country Agreed. now. And my point is that when they're at their best, no one can touch them. If they were on a neutral court, no one would be favored over them. That would make them the two best teams in the country, Correct. in my opinion. Um, people immediately started chirping me. Oh, a knee-jerk reaction. Did you not just see them lose to LSU? This isn't college football, okay? Basketball is a different sport. It's a fluid... You miss yeah. shots sometimes. Guys make shots. Like, you don't need to win every game to be the best team in the country. Not to mention both Duke and UK. I am going to give them a little bit more leeway for inconsistency because they have young rosters where they're trying to piecemeal everything together throughout the season. So they may even... Give, give up a game or, or at least a, a four-minute war here along the way while they're trying to learn things and teach lessons and work through different lineups. So I give those two coaches a little more leeway than I do some of the, like a team like Tennessee, who's super veteran and tough. And like what they have is the fact that they're not going to screw up much. And I still think Tennessee is going to be a tough out the tournament because there's nothing to, to dissuade that other than that they were the number one. They were just, they walked into the perfect storm to get their ass kicked. LSU's got one of the top 10 rosters that money can buy in college basketball. Right. Cool. And Will Wade does a good job. So, it, like, I, I laughed at that. Somebody, somebody was like, well, Kentucky's clearly more talented than LSU. I was like, well, you don't know LSU's roster. Like, that's, there's a lot of talent. Traymont yeah. Waters, Darius Days, Nas Reed. Uh, totally normal for a kid, one, a, a very highly rated kid from New York to end up at LSU. That happens all the time. All the time, yeah. Um, <clears throat> but 
<laughs> Shade, it seems like you're insinuating something. I don't think he's insinuating. I think he's going straight out there with it. Yeah, that'll be a nice lawsuit. Yeah, I, allegedly, allegedly, allegedly. Make sure you um, use that term. But that's not a bad roster. Like that wasn't a bad loss by any stretch of the imagination. No, if Kentucky got through that week two and zero, they should have been gone, number one on a one line. Yeah, yeah, yeah. right. I mean, and, and plus. I'm not sure how they're not on a one line already. Like, like if you I look at their resume compared yeah. to Tennessee's, how is Tennessee still in front of them? Tennessee's beat Florida twice. Florida's a nice team. Tennessee hadn't played a ranked team in two months. That's true. Don't look at what Kentucky has done. They keep knocking off all the big opponents they play. Yes, they have a slip up here and there, but look at the games they've won. No one in the country has a better resume. I mean, you look. I mean, they are they are an overtime period from Seton Hall away from that win. They are what a two point loser at Alabama in the SEC opener, and they're a tip Getting in screwed a by controversial the refs. pin. Yeah. Yeah, I'm not still not going to go there. Controversial tip in away from going to overtime and maybe winning against LSU. Really, the only game you point back to is getting getting your ass kicked. By Duke, Duke. Yeah. I mean, that's it. Yeah, which, God, if we could just play that game now instead of at the beginning of the season, it'd be nice. You know you got to give credit to? Mo Egger. You know what he, have you heard what he did? Kentucky's futures after that Duke game. Oh, I did. He bought it. He bought it at like 16 bought him at, to 1. No, 2,200. 22 to 1. Yeah, 22 to 1. You're right. That's they had exactly. dropped all the way to 22 to 1 after the Duke s- game. What do you say? The guy he had on the other day. Six or seven. Six or seven to yeah. 1. So, yeah, they, they're he, not He no jumped on him at 22 real quick. Pretty smart move. That was a, that's an extremely smart move. That's a, that's a pretty it's good a, value. It's a savvy, uh, it's a savvy better. It's a savvy gambling play for, for what that is. All right, uh, let's talk about NKU and Friday night. I know it's it's disappointing because. Womp, womp. You 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 really you wrap up the Horizon League basically with a win. You have a 17 point lead in their building. So so what went wrong? I think a lot went right for Wright State. Like you got to give them credit because I didn't think NKU completely collapsed. They Who was the cat in the, the first half chucking in threes? Had a weird name. Not, right. not Billy Wampler? No, not Billy Wampler. Another cat was chucked, chucked in a couple threes. Had made threes all year anyway. So when stuff yeah. like that starts happening, it's like yeah. I mean, when they've got their two best players go absolutely off. Both of them at the same time. That's going to be tough to beat. And again, they always, I've said this every time these teams match up, it makes me uncomfortable because their style gives NKU trouble, just in general. Even if the NKU is clearly the more talented team, their style of making it ugly, slowing it down, keeping you out of rhythm offensively, that that hurts NKU because NKU right. wants to play with rhythm and get out and play with pace. So uh, it's always a tough game. And, and quite honestly, like they went out and they got Silas Adeki in the offseason as a Juco. For loud and love. With the idea being that they'd have someone big enough to match up with Adam Love. Unfortunately, as the season's gone along, they've never gained enough confidence in Silas to keep him out there to use him in a game like that. And so you end up with Drew McDonald guarding Loud and Love, and he's given up four or five inches and 70, 80 pounds now at this point, the way he's trimmed his body down. Like, we already knew Drew really can't stop that guy in the post. And the problem is, if you're going to double down, well, they're hitting threes that night. So there wasn't much you could do. Um, it, it was it was Wright State's night on their floor, and it was a hell of an atmosphere. And they got incredible help from the refs. I mean, that's just a flat-out fact. Like, it is what it is. I'm not going to complain about it. You're on their court. You know that's going to happen. But the fact is, they got three or four calls all within the time they needed them to go their way. Like The, the, the technical foul call. Bad or good, good in your opinion? The technical foul on Jalen Tate yeah. was, I wish they wouldn't call those, like guys just getting excited and screaming and one, but the problem is Jalen was right in a fish. What, what was another game this week that, that happened in? I, 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 was it, was you see, was it last weekend? Somebody, oh, Brooks. 
at yeah, Houston. Yeah, 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 in Houston. Yeah, that, yeah. Well, that's that's a that's a John Higgins special. If you yell, John Higgins is going to tee you up. And, and I just I don't understand why that's even. God forbid you play with a little emotion. I, I just want to say this is this is actually karma for last week when Rick went off on us for talking about officials. And then you feel like it's karma? No, I no. I like I said, I expected that to happen, and I'm not sitting here complaining about it. You're now asking questions about it, so I'll answer. Yeah, but yeah. I don't complain about it every week. I'm bringing up, yes, that helped Wright State. They needed some calls, and they got them. Yeah, I just I go um, back to the technical file. I just I, at some point, unless you're well, yelling well, directly J- at a guy, Jalen has to know he's looking directly at a ref when he's doing that, and he screamed down one. Granted, I don't think that's a technical foul. It shouldn't be called a technical foul, but they tend to do that. And if you're looking directly at the ref when you do it, you probably should have better judgment. That being said, warn him. After you call that technical, the fact that you let loud and love get, first of all, the hook and hold was just absolutely silly. Just totally absurd call. Um, it was a t- stiff arm, him holding Drew off the entire time. I don't know how that could possibly be a hook and hold at the end. And then he flexes, put he does a forearm bump into Walton's back, screams in his face, flexes all the way down the court. As his teammates are trying to calm him down, he rips through them and keeps screaming for another 10 steps. Nothing from the rest. Yeah, that's a technical foul. If it's a technical if you, on the one end, it's technical on the it, other end. His, his shouldn't be a technical foul either. I agree. But if you set the precedent when that's you right. called it on Tate, then you got to call it on Love too because you set that precedent. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. I, it's I, that simple. God forbid a kid shows emotion occasionally. As long as you're not in a guy's face and about to start a fight, then yeah. let it go or just warn him. Say, listen, or, I'm not going to listen to that tonight. Knock it off. Yeah, if he screamed an F in that guy's face or an F at the ref, fine. But he screamed and won and everyone heard that. Yeah. So I don't... I don't know what you do. Did you see the ref show last night? Temple, South Florida? No. Oh, you yeah. don't watch Temple, South Florida on your I, Saturday nights I got a, off? I, I got a DVR. I'm going to watch it when okay. I get home tonight. Because right. so, I like Temple's actions because Fran Duffy's the greatest coach ever. So, score tied. Two seconds left on the clock. Complete phantom foul call on Shiz Alston. Sends him to the line. Complete phantom. Wasn't touched. Shooting, well, va- shooting foul? Or shooting or? foul. Okay, so shooting foul. Goes to the line, makes one of two. The officials, they show it on the screen. So it's clear to everybody in the gym that that was a complete missed call. Absolute terrible call. So South Florida lines up, baseball pass, throw the baseball pass. Three guys jump for the baseball pass. Before anybody lands, one second on the clock, they call a foul. Makeup call. Holy cow. So they blew the whistle twice in the last two seconds? In the last basically? two seconds. They blew, they blew two phantom calls. That league's well officiated. David Collins goes to the line. Misses both. Temple wins by one. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. Ball don't lie. That, 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 that that's the truest thing that's ever come <laughs> the out of The officiating fight. is so bad it's in brutal. this league. It is brutal. So bad. No question. By the way, I would say Google the name Andy O'Brien, one of the officials involved in the NKU game. Okay. Some interesting uh, ref shows for him at the end of games in his really? history. I think there might might be time to start investigating how, some people. How do these guys keep getting? Because it's a Friday night special in a mid low mid-major game that... Everyone else is on a plane flip trip to go do a big yeah, Saturday game. You get fair. the worst of the worst on a that's, Friday night that, game. That, that's fair. And they're refing in front of a home crowd. You, I knew NKU right. was going to get a, the, the bad whistle in going into that game. That's why I wasn't worried about it. I, I will say this. In a league that doesn't have rivalries, I mean, maybe Milwaukee and Green Bay, maybe they are. I doubt they are. I mean, this has become a pretty doggone good rivalry, though. It really has. It, honestly, as much as it sucked to, to – drive home from that game and I don't think I'll ever go back to the Nutter Center again after the you last can. two years. You've but, lost twice in a row. Yeah, I think done I'm there. done. I think I'm done. Um, it, the atmosphere was incredible. Like, there were two full sections of NKU people. It felt like a high school game because you had right. their student section screaming at NKU fans that were sitting directly catty quarter to them and then NKU goes on like a 
25 point run in the first half in their gym and it got real quiet by the right state fans and nku fans were very loud for a good segment and that that created a good atmosphere the rest of the way i will say though credit to nku fans they bought in on this thing like Way more than I thought. I, yeah, I, I when, was a skeptic. When they I, went, I was a skeptic. When I'm they went, glad you're admitting that. I was. I was a skeptic. When they went to D1, there was a lot of people that thought, how are we going to have a third team in this region that's going to... Or, or how are they going to find their identity? Right, more, because, of, because there's... there's there's UK fans. Yes. There's Xavier in Cincinnati. There's Ohio State fans. There's an overlap from football season yeah. into baseball. I mean, there's a lot of things. They were, they were, there was, it's a tough niche. There's a lot of doubt about whether they were going to be able to do it. And you have to give everyone involved with hiring John Brandon credit. Yeah. Ken, Ken Bodoff deserves a ton of credit because one, he had the vision to, to agree to all this and push them forward in division one and has done a heck of a job, not just in basketball, but across a lot of sports mm-hmm. division one where they've been successful and made good hires. Well, but the, the John Brandon hire is just, I mean, and that's the changed key, everything. That's the key, right? There. And the switching leagues to where you got to a yeah. point where your, your non-revenue sports are playing at least with comparable type teams. Well, and, and the horizon's and a decent deal. Horizon's like a decent deal that the trips are better. It's better for fans. You've got to build you have a rivalry. I mean, I think the closest one in the in the uh, a sun a sun I think was East Tennessee State. Yeah, maybe. and it, it was never going to catch never, on. It no, was never going to catch cool on. Was, it was everybody kind of bought in on Florida Gulf Coast when they came after yeah. the year they had Dunk to run. City, but that was yeah. one game, and you know, it, it, no, it never they've went done a great York. job. Yes. building because they're at, I mean they're probably averaging what four to five thousand. I don't know if the average is quite there when you factor in some of the early games, yeah. but like now for conference games, they and, are, I mean, they had their biggest crowd ever uh, for the last home game, the homecoming game, which was over 7,000 fans. I mean, I, I don't think people realize like at that level, if you get 2,000 fans, that's great. You're, you're yeah. going really well. A lot of nights they're playing in front of 500 people. Right. That's what I'm saying. Yeah. They're putting four, five, six, seven thousand I mean, people I, in, I, in I, that I, arena. I that's incredible. At a Miami crowd two years ago, they had UMass. UMass isn't great, but UMass. It was the is, three of us. U, UMass is at least an established program in this country, and they've been to a Final Four. They've had, they at least have a name, correct? 850 fans. And that was probably generous. Yeah, it probably was. Yeah, when you see when that you see number, zero, it means there's like 400. Yeah, it was a guesstimate. So, yeah. So, and I mean, by the way, a thousand fans in like any type of decent college arena looks like nobody correct. is there. Like correct. Like nobody is correct. there. Correct. I just wanted to get no, that no, on I record because, well I, because I, I was just now they're traveling. Too. They're putting more people in Wright State's arena than used to be at NKU home games 100%. three years ago. And, and, and by the way, I think Dave Beasel deserves a lot of credit too because he, when they made that transition in Division One, it could have been a disaster. They could have been the dregs of yeah, three and 25. the conference. They were and fairly competitive. Yeah, and John Brandon could have been walking in a total rebuilding project. And granted, he definitely reshaped the roster and he deserves all the credit Drew, in the world. Drew McDonald was Dave Beasel's guy. It, he was. And, and, and John, Taylor Persons, who's playing at Ball State right now, would have, I mean, John, but John's done a whole different level, no question. Right, John taking it to another level but dave made sure that the, the foundation was there right that, that they weren't walking into a just a terrible situation and, and honestly i thought at the time dave beasel had earned the right to keep coaching I and see too. this thing through because I, I, I thought he did a great I, job I did too. in those first few years of division one they made the choice they made and and they absolutely got a superstar in john brandon i'm not sure that dave beasel couldn't have done a great job as well I'm thrilled with the hire, but I think both of those guys and Ken Bodoff and everyone else involved deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, no, I, I, again, I was as big a skeptic as there was. I just I couldn't. I was there with you. Where, I didn't know how it was going to work. Going to get your niche? Why? Where on a Thursday? Well, Kentucky didn't play on a Thursday. But whatever. Where on a night when Kentucky's playing and NKU's playing, are people even going to care to go to an NKU uh, game? Getting uh, getting that unexpected Horizon and, League yes. win to get to the NCAA tournament and play and Kentucky competitive in that game and play Kentucky was the most. 
uh, like just lucky thing this program could possibly yeah. have because that was the year that's before when they were supposed to be start being right. good. That's when you arrived. And I, and I think it also, and I don't know how much, I think it also helped having UC there for a year. Yeah, you put a lot of people, sure. like it showed 9,000 people, seven, eight, nine, ten thousand 10,000 people going to that arena. Right. Some of those people were Northern Kentucky people. Like I don't think it was a huge bump, no, but I think but it just showed the viability of like, it's a good arena. It's a great place to watch a game, turn more people onto it. And, and they've built, on on all of those fortunate circumstances, they've continued to build on it, and then that's the thing. Like that doesn't mean anything if they're not good at the right. same time. Oh, absolutely. That. And the same thing with like the NCAA tournament. The reason that was so big, like yeah, that would have been a big boost anyways because you got there and you got the notoriety. But if you stink for the next two years, like that was your team that was a senior late yeah, team, right, you stink. Right. You lose all that momentum the next two years. No, it, they got there a year before they were supposed to be any good, so they've kept this. They had a three, four, nine, right? Last year they were even better, run, yeah. even though they didn't make the tournament. This year they're even better. And hopefully they'll get another trip to go there. And, and you do that, you've really got some but, momentum but, and cachet on yeah. the recruiting trail at your but, level. But even there, if you go NCAA and then back-to-back winning the league regular season title and at least going to the NIT at the very least, you still do, you, oh. you've still got forward momentum going. You've got that slid one iota, especially in a one-bid league. I, I you know, it's hard, but... It's, but you go to the tournament again, again you can really, absolutely. I mean, you've really built up some goodwill and cachet on the recruiting front, especially. They go to the tournament again, and now there's three college basketball teams in greater Cincinnati. Mm-hmm. Yeah. To that point, yeah. like where they're, where they're real enough that you have to consider they're the third show in town in college basketball season and not just a Northern Kentucky thing, yeah. like a, an actual thing. Yeah. But, but to answer your question, that's how they did it is winning. I mean, this this, this city was going to support a winner, and that's the only way. So if they were irrelevant in their conference, no one would care at all. You'd have 1,300 people games. I don't think you'd get that many. And you may not have. Yeah, 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 you may not have. You're you're right about that. Um, All right, before I get you guys' final take on whatever you want to do, we do have to address Louisville. Holy Toledo. I, I'm assuming you at least saw the highlights of Saturday, if not saw the end of it. I, I maybe Dino Gaudi is the wrong veteran bench assistant. I actually something. I actually flipped it on as as they stole the pass in the backcourt with 28 seconds, and I initially thought, why is Clemson throwing the ball away in the backcourt? I didn't realize that was a Louisville turnover at the time, and then I watched it, and as soon as it got to one, my my mind went right to. Please don't throw a bounce pass in the lane because something weird's going to happen. Bounce pass in right, the lane. Right in the lane. Guy falls down. It was probably a foul. Look at the guy might have got tackled, but neither here nor there. They're not going to blow the whistle. Give the kid credit for inbounding it, jumping back in and the blocking shot, the shot. Yeah. How devastating would that have been no. for all involved? You just you end the season. Would you, you take I guess jerseys. I didn't hear this, but I guess Matt came into the post-game press conference and said, I'd like to announce I resign. I mean, he, he, I mean, if you've gone through what he's gone through over those three games, if you'd have lost, they may have taken you up on that, actually. Oh, I mean, yeah. Fans are just so ridiculous. To look at what they've done this year, and now they're mad because of that Duke comeback, and it's like... I don't. I don't know what what fans want at this point. No, like it's they, it's absurd. But yeah, they want you to not blow a twenty three point lead in nine minutes. I mean, or seven point lead in, tw- in eighteen in eighteen seconds. seconds. Fair enough. But you, I mean, the other alternative is you just get beat from thirty by the start of that team that's so much right. better than you. It's right. not even funny. Right. Like I mean, that's the other it side. It just would have been a weird because you do it to Clemson. It would have. Oh my god, they would have lost. Well, their and the game before Duke, they blew a blew a lead against Florida, Florida State. State. It yeah. wasn't an epic collapse, but it's still it was they, bad. They yeah, blew it was double digit in the second half. Yes, correct. That would have been just. I'm not sure. I'm sure a team would have ever gone through something like that in a three-game stretch. That'd, that'd be pretty brutal, yeah. especially for your first year. And I mean, the funny thing is Louisville's still, like, dangerous. No doubt. I mean, they're, they're, they're a five seed, right? Six at uh, worst? I think they're going to end up more like six, seven, okay, probably. But, but they're, When you look at the three-seed line, though, that's a pretty tough one for a three-seed to be playing. And the thing is, they're two. Yeah. If they fall to a seven. They've shown the ability to make enough shots. 
that you factor in his like X and O stuff that that first 25, 30 minutes of that Duke game was like, holy cow, like these guys can really score. Yeah. And I didn't see that coming into the year. So I wouldn't really want to play them. I'll be honest. Yeah. I don't think they're great, but I wouldn't want to see them. No, I agree. Absolutely. You got a final take? Yeah, I do. I, I think we are being penalized this year. I think we cried wolf over and over and over and over again. It, this is the weakest bubble ever. This is the weakest bubble ever. No, this is the weakest bubble ever. We're, we're being punished right now because there are teams that are losing like seven conference games in a row and they're dropping like one seed line. Like, well, they're still in. Oklahoma is 4-9. Now, they did just come up with a road win at T- TCU. Yeah, yeah TCU. TCU. But that got them to 4-9 in the league. And they are in, and it's not one where they're in, at least, and you go, wait, that no, they're in, and you really don't even question it. Indiana is on the bubble. On the bubble. They have lost 111 of their last 112 Big Ten games. Was, was Bracket Matrix I saw, and it's not the be-all, end-all, that I swear, was it was it Butler that was maybe the first four out, or maybe the second four probably. out? Probably. Like, probably. Pretty much every Big East team except for Xavier's in contention still, I think, and DePaul. Yeah. I, I mean... That, like, we are we are being punished. For every year, having the hot take of this is the worst. This, okay, so, this bubble's so terrible. So is this a year when a Lipscomb um, maybe loses a conference tournament and gets a bid, where a Wofford loses a conference tournament and gets a bid? I mean, there are a couple teams like that that they've got some nice enough resumes where you go, all right, we're going to reward them instead of another team that's 5-11 and 11 in their conference. You'd like to see it. I don't think it's going to happen. I think what ends up happening is we get more mediocre Power conferences. Well, here's in. here's where this is yeah, going to be interesting. Be right. There has generally been a cut line that says if you're not 500 in your league, you're not in, or at least eight and ten ish, and you've had a yeah, great one out of game, league. Yeah. one game either way. Yes. But for the most part, that has been like, but not where Oklahoma's trending. We're looking. They're looking at teams. Are they really going to put a team that's three or four games under 500 in their conference in the NCAA tournament? If we sit here today, yes, uh, we we got to see where the records end know, up though too, because there's always like we always sit here and do this, and then you yeah, get I don't to think the end it's the- ever been this, but like. I, I know, but then we get to the end of the season, all of a sudden, you know what? That team ran off three or four in yeah. a row, and they and went that's fair. four games under to one game under, and now they're in. Like, I honestly but think— Oklahoma's way under, man. Like, way no, under. St. John's beats Villanova today. They're definitely in now. I think the Big East definitely has four teams. They're going to get five or six teams in again this year. Like, even even as— Well, part, part of the skew here is is how bad the Pac-12 is. The, right. That, that probably gets to Washington and Arizona State. I think they State. get two. I think they get two. Okay, but at most two. At mo- we'll agree with that, right? At most, yeah, two. At, at the very most. So I mean, that skews it a little bit too. So yeah, I mean, we were talking about the Big Ten getting ten, and they might. It might be seven, maybe eight. I know who was one of the first four out. Believe it or not, Nebraska. Go, yeah. look, at, go look at their record for me. That was but, a, that was. A, I think Butler was in that group too, but it was Nebraska. I don't honestly, know, wait, whoa, 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 whoa! Looking at the Big Ten though this year, it's like who doesn't deserve to be in out of that group? If we're actually going to say Indiana, yes. Other than them, <laughs> Ohio State is, is trending is trending backwards fast. But if you look at who is, if we're really going to say the teams at the top of the Big Ten are where we have them right, yeah, no. then it's like as as much parity as there's been in that league, it feels like all those teams could be in the tournament. Although Michigan State's in trouble now. Yep. That, Nick, Nick Ward, broken yeah, finger. Yeah. They're still they're still going to end up as like a four seed, I think. Without Langford and Ward? I still Ooh. think they'll end up as a four seed if you look at their, their schedule the rest of the way. Yeah, I, I think you have to look at them completely different now than you did with what their resume says they are. 
I don't disagree, but I think it drops them to like a four seed. Yeah, I don't. I don't as I say, then you're, you're you go back to that same boat. If you look and go, all right, well, who the hell are you going to elevate over? Yeah, them unless they point? really, I mean, lose Tank. the rest of the yeah. way out and lose the first and then you realize they're tanking like, okay, a because they're, they're without yeah. two two key guys. But if they muddle through and and go five hundred ish or whatever four and two whatever yeah, the rest of the they way, they really have a good chance to still get a three seed. Correct. But I'm just saying, if Correct. you're factoring in, hey, right. Ward's not there, different team, right. whatever. Right. But but that's all. I just think every year the default is, oh my god, this bubble is so terrible. And well, we're that's being, where that's where and I. I know you were talking about this a couple weeks ago with the UC fan base of, oh my gosh, they, they lost the game, and, and if they lose a couple more, they're going to be out. No, they're not going to be the seed you'd like them to be, but no, they're not going to be out. It's, it's, it's going to be really hard to be out yes, this year. Yes, it's going to be very, very hard to be out this year. Really hard to be out yeah. this year. You got a final take, Rick Boring? No, I really don't. Do you, did He's you, dropped did, his A game. Did, he hasn't had a final take all season. Did you get along with the right State people okay? Did you oh, just yeah. mind your, did you stay in your lane? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, it was a good time. Have a couple pops? I was I drove so I really didn't okay. drink but okay. but we had very responsible of you yeah I mean I was I was still having a good time yeah but, yeah um you know it was it was a good atmosphere I just don't think I'll ever be able to get back again you can't you can't go but like you, I kind of I kind of feel like I'd be doing NKU a disservice right like that's you have to you have to just take one for the team and say all right do you have a I good kind of agree with that are you the do you have a good luck like shirt you wear to home games or anything like that is there like a shirt that you wear to is there a special shirt you wear? there is I can see now that I've asked this there is it's well, okay go ahead it, it, no no I've got I've got a lot of different shirts so but I do do a thing where it's like like when they beat Wright State at home and played so well like I wore that same sweatshirt for the next like four or five home games in a row. Did you wear it to Wright State? That's, that's what no. I'm wondering. I mean, maybe you got to change your game up there. It's got to be it's got to be like your your best luck, you know, your best luck giddy up that you're going to you're going to wear, right? I don't Well, here's the actually the biggest mistake. Here's my final take. Here's the I real mistake all, I made. All, all I did was keep pride a little. Yeah. We drove up, we decided because NKU did a little alumni meet up at, at a spot in Dayton before the game right outside another center. I mean, it's not actually Dayton like Beaver Creek or something. Fairborn. That's yeah. right. No, it was like oh, okay. Beaver Creek. Okay. But um, it, it, the Fox and the Hound was the name of the place. Okay. Okay. So I was like, you know what? We won't We won't stop. Usually I'm like Dayton's such a trash city and the surrounding area is so bad. I'm not going to go up and, and frequent one of their establishments because it'll suck and I don't want to spend any more time in that place than I have to. So I eat here get a drink, whatever, then go up, drive up. This time we're like, you know, we'll, we'll go. We'll see where all those other NKU fans, that'll be kind of cool. We'll stop up there. We go up there. We make 25 minutes to get sat at our table. We get sat at our table. We make another 15 minutes for no waitress to come and acknowledge that we have sat down at our table and get a drink. You realize your picture had been circulated by that point, right? We had been there for over 40 minutes without getting a beer. He's here. <laughs> He's here. So at that point, we just went to the arena and... Maybe Everyone that, got drunk. That, Wasted 40 minutes. That may, Wasted 40 that, minutes. That messed it up your, that and that, your karma. Immediately. I was like, this trash shitty, this is exactly what happens. This is going to throw off everything. I, I think you give it one more. Third time's a charm. I think you give it I don't, one more. I, I, I'm, I, I'm with you. What's your best luck giddy up on? Who, who should I ask about? Who should, who's who's okay? Who needs to clear this for me? Who's okay do I need to get? Is it is it My, daughter, my daughter and her boyfriend went. They're huge fans, is man. It, is it John Brannon? Do I ask Drew McDonald John? Donald now that he's graduated? Like... Do, who do I have to you, ask if I'm do? allowed to you go, go back? up with Drew McDonald next year? Yeah, I gotta ask someone if I'm even allowed. I don't know if they want me there. You're oh like the two. number one guy. We, we have to ask John. Yeah. Oh, until. Yeah. Oh, and two, oh, and two is is true, but that's not good. But you've been you you've been you've been beating the beating the horn for 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 three years on this podcast, and I'm undefeated at home this year. Yeah. But apparently, see, I'm just a home guy. I, well, maybe that's true too. I'm but just that not brings, an away guy. That brings game on the road. Yeah, that's not shocking. You got you to change your luck. You got to have some kind of good luck uniform. Okay. Well. So my dad, my dad, when I was a kid, man, he'd keep score UK games. I'd sit next to him as a little kid. And if things were going well, he'd tell me to leave the room and don't come back. 
and I'd have to leave the room. And one time when I left the room, I went and got remember those little small miniature football helmets you'd get out of the bubble gum machine back in yep. the day. I went up, got a football helmet. A six years old came down the steps, threw it at him, left a big bump on his head. Not happy with my old man. That was a wild move by you. Well, I mean, I wanted to listen to the game with my okay, dad. Hold on. keeping score. Why? Hold on. If things were going well, he'd make you leave? No, no. When they weren't going well. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. yeah he, that, you were the he'd problem. Initially, he'd initially make me sit in a different spot, and then he'd say, you got to leave. Like, <laughs> I, I kind of like your dad. <laughs> I want to listen to the game I like the dad. cut of his jib. Yeah, that's a good move. Yeah. You got to go. You got to go. The problem here, son... Is you? It's me. I know. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> what really happened was that was well, that was when your dad fired up his bowl or something. <laughs> exactly. you, it just wants exactly. you to get the hell out of the yeah, room. Thank God the kid's gone now. <laughs> Holy cow! Had it waiting in the ashtray, hidden underneath yep. the couch. Yep. Uh, all right, boys. Good stuff as always. We'll be back a, a week from today with another edition of the Skinny Podcast. It's been the College Basketball Edition for Chad Brendel of BearcatJournal.com. Make sure you see his and his entire staff because he's got a staff. I have to see staff. all their work. And don't ever go to the Fox and Hound in Beaver Creek. That's correct. That's trash but, establishment. But do go to MusketeerReport.com for all your Xavier news. I'm Richard Skinner for Rick Boring, Chad Brendel. Thanks for being with us. The Skinny Podcast presented by Joseph Infinity of Cincinnati. <laughs>